0: Good morning. I am so glad that you guys are here. You ladies came. I'm so excited that we're back together. I feel like the summer, man, I think the Christmas break is harder than we had the summer break, and I'm like, it's killing me. (laughs) I just love being with you all. Um, uh, I hope that you all had a wonderful summer. I want to introduce myself because I know that some of you are new. Maybe, I mean, I met a lot of new ladies over the summer, um, and so I know that some of you all are new. Um, But I'm Angela Brown. Um, I'm married to Benjamin Brown. (laughs) And we have, um, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself if you don't know me. Some of you are like, yes, we know, but (laughs) this is for the newbies, okay? (laughs) Um, I have five kids. Um, Their age range from 12 to 18. and I oversee the women's ministry here at Calvary, um, and I've been new to this for the last, this is my second year, so I'm kind of new, um, but I've been around forever, so <laughs> I've been here for a while. Um, I homeschool my kids, and I love it. That's just one thing about me. Um, not, I know it's rare, and not everybody loves homeschooling, but um, I started when my youngest or my oldest was in kindergarten, and I just... I really have loved, come to love it. It's something that I love. Um, I just this last spring graduated my daughter Eve. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> she worked so hard. <laughs> and um, for okay, I'll just give you a couple highlights for my summer. <laughs> so, so we bought this old trailer, and we're like had it in our backyard, like, like white trash, like. <laughs> I'm like what are we doing with this trailer, Ben? And he's like, he had a vision and he does this, he doesn't write it down, so I never get to see the vision, but it happens, it happens in my house all the time. And so I was like, he like put it in our garden, pretty much. <laughs> and, um, and so then he was like, I have this great idea. We should like give it to Eve for her graduation gift. Like she could have her own place and it won't have to be in our house where our chaos is. And I was like, but it's like, I'm looking at it. It's like this eyesore. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she'll see it as a gift. like." And so he, so he was like, no, we'll remodel it this summer. I'm like, okay. And he, my husband, one thing about my husband is he finishes things, like he never, he never leaves things unfinished, which is one thing I love about him. So I knew he would finish it before the rain came. <laughs> so so um, over the summer, and she loved it. Like I was like, really? You're excited? She's like, I'm so excited. So like she helped paint it like sky blue, it's beautiful. And then I got to help too, because I can't do a whole lot, but I, I like stained the countertops it's butcher block I was so excited I could do it inspires me to do my own house or something and then um he pretty much did the rest but it turned out so fun like so beautiful and she loves her little space so anyway there's that that was one thing in my summer that happened that was super fun (laughs) and um another thing that I loved doing this summer was on another note um as you come to know me and who I am I love to read like fiction, okay? I love to read fiction. I like nonfiction, but I really love fiction. And so I got to read Simpsons Sensibility, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) But that's what I read this summer. And I've read it. It's not the first time I've read it, I admit. I love Jane Austen. And um, anyway, super enjoyable. But the other thing I got to read this summer um, was with the book study that we did for the women here at the church. And it was The Bait of Satan. And um, I have to say that that was probably one of the highest highlights of my summer because a lot of you all came here, I'm looking at Nancy, (laughs) a lot of you all came and a lot of the evening ladies came and so it was like we blended our Bible studies into one time and it was so sweet, like I don't agree with everything that that man wrote in that book. (laughs) But we came together and we talked about it. I would say for the most part, I agree with most of everything that he said. And the beautiful thing about it was, um, the beautiful part about it was that we, we ended retreat, you know, talking about unity, and then we came into this book, and it was all about what do you do, how do you forgive somebody? Like, what do you do when you feel hurt? You know, it was like really practical, and so we read through that book through the summer and just got to process it together. It was so awesome. So, I just loved it. Very sweet time, um, and I highly recommend it. Even though I'm just going to put it out there that I don't agree everyth- with everything he writes in that book, but for the most part, super crucial message for the church as far as unity goes. Um, so anyway, I'm glad to be back in the word with you all. Um, And for those that are new, welcome. And I I wanted to just point out for everybody, um, you know, I know it's not easy to come to Bible study, especially if you're new, um, but also to be coming halfway through a book of the Bible. (laughs) Because we're we're starting halfway through Acts today. (laughs) Because it's a two-year study. It's a very long book, so we couldn't just wrap it up in one year, that would be insane, so we had to split it up. Um, and so um, I say, you know, good job, being brave, if you're new, coming halfway through. Today we're going to use this time to kind of catch everybody up, like, I came back to the study and I was like, I don't remember, <laughs> like, we studied this, but I don't remember nothing. I'm, I'm sorry, I was super embarrassed about how much I didn't remember, it was super embarrassing. So we clearly need review, I think. <laughs> and. um and I also want to say that the packet did a very good job in the first week of reviewing it. So if you haven't got to work through that first week, I recommend it. It's It was just so well done, so much information, but it also just fills in the gaps. Today I'm zooming out a lot to give you more of the touchdown on stuff, but the packet did a very thorough job at giving you a good review if you missed last year or if you just even if you didn't, it was what I needed, <laughs> so. Um, but I wanted to point out a couple of new things with the packet, with saying that. Um, the curriculum ch- team has changed, so it'll feel a little different. To, um, we have some different writing writers, and um, also, you know, on top of the new memory verse that's a part of it, we also ask some of you to write devotions each week, like one devotion a week. And I just want you to know if you didn't know, when you read those devotions, that's somebody here or somebody in the evening study that wrote that. And so I just thought it was really cool how we have the freedom to put together, create a curriculum that is put together by us. It's really exciting. So I just wanted to point that part that's really personalized. I thought that was neat. And then one last thing I just want to say about the packet is day one is, I know it seems like busy work because it's the same thing you do every day one, but I want to just put a plug out there again because I love it. (laughs) Do day one because it's the observation. It's like giving you a chance to dig into it on your own um, first, and then picking apart the and learning like what you need, um, what you need to get. It gives you an opportunity to own the passage yourself, right? Before you read what the questions are, before you read the commentary. I guess. So, anyway, I encourage day one, spend time there. It's, it's very fruitful for your own personal growth with the actual passage, so. Um, and then, um, also, one last thing. I don't know if, if you're new, you may not know this, but um, do the study, if you can, before you come. Because the teaching, when the teaching comes, it's kind of assuming you've, like, looked at it already and did the work. But with that said, um, if you didn't get a chance to do your study, come, because <laughs> you will definitely get a lot out of it. Don't, don't, don't skip because you feel like you didn't do the work. Like, there are, there's a whole season of my life, ladies, where I had little kids and I couldn't. <laughs> but I came every week because I got so encouraged in the Word. So definitely do it if you can before, um, and if you can't, still come. So there's, there's all that practical stuff. <laughs> So um, my hope this morning is um, through the spirit, I'm just like, you know, we're doing review, so I'm like, but Lord, you could still, you could still use me <laughs> through your spirit to speak to the ladies that we would just, by the end of the teaching and the end of your small groups, that we would feel caught up with where we are um, as we work through it. Um, and, and so I want to just kind of—I'm just going to throw it out there because I'm, I'm an outline kind of person. I like to know what's coming. <laughs> so, so I'm going to just share with you the Acts outline that's given in Acts. Luke pretty much gave us the outline of Acts in Acts 1-8. I'm gonna share that with you and work that out a little bit. And we're gonna zoom out and just kind of chronologically go through it. But then after that, the second half that I'm gonna spend time with you in is the main, there's three main themes that I saw, very main in the book of Acts. And I'm just gonna to touch on those so that we can, it can kind of fill in the outline a little bit on like the main message that God is trying to get across to us in Acts. And, and I really got those themes by looking at what was repeated in the passages. So anyway, we'll see if it works. <laughs> like, we'll see if it works. <laughs> Let's get started. So last year we learned that Acts laid out the first 30 years of the church, right? The beginning 30 years of when the church began. It lays out how the gospel spread despite persecution against those who spread it. Um, Luke is the one that wrote the book of Acts um, to a man named Theophilus. Um, one way we see that he's the author is like, as we go on this year, um, on the second and third missionary journeys that Paul gives or goes on, um, the author goes from third person to first person. And it's Luke. And that's how we know he was there. <laughs> he wrote the he wrote the book. That's one way. Um, this, you know, um, It speaks that he's the author and um, as we look back at the beginning of Acts, we'll see that outline and I wanted to just read it for you right now in Acts 1.8 it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So in chapters 1 through 7, we saw the apostles in Jerusalem being witnesses and their witnesses in Jerusalem, and it began when the apostles were together when that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and that's in chapter two. So we see that part fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit did come upon them. Um, and then they share with those who are around them, um, and many came to know, we see this in chapter two, Jesus, they came to know Jesus. And from that point, they're gathering in the temple courts, healing people and telling telling people about Jesus and and sharing the gospel. We see that in chapter three. They were arrested and released. We saw the new believers joining with the apostles and selling all of their property to help take care of each other in chapter four. And then things begin to get more heated in Jerusalem. There's more persecution of believers which leads to chapter seven and we see the first disciple, the first believer after Jesus put to death for his faith, and that's in the story of Stephen in chapter seven. And because of this event at this point, this is where we see in the story where the followers of Jesus scatter away from Jerusalem, and they're in that chapter, and we see onward a shift from Jerusalem, and we see it moving on to Samaria like Acts 1.8 says. Um, to Judea and Samaria. And we, we see this in chapters eight through 12. We see that part. Last year we learned about Philip's time in Samaria and seeing the Gentiles getting saved in chapter eight. Sandwiched in there we see Saul get saved in chapter nine. And then in chapters 10 through 11 we see Peter traveling out of Jerusalem and checking on believers that were scattered. Um, traveling all over Samaria and God brings him to Cornelius. And through that, we see again Gentiles get saved in Samaria, like, like it says in Acts 1.8. Then we see Barnabas going up to Antioch to check on the church there, and after seeing all the Lord was doing, he goes and finds Saul to come help him. Then in chapter 12, we saw the first apostles be put, the first apostle be put to death, and that was James. Peter gets imprisoned, and things are getting more intense with persecution again. To, of the church, and then, but then we see the angel free Peter from prison. He escapes, and finally, in starting, chapter, in, starting in chapter 13 until the end of Acts is this third part of the outline, which was we see the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Um, chapter 13 is where we ended last year, um, and it began with the first missionary journey that Paul and Bartimus went on. Their travels included Cyprus, which is an island in the Mediterranean, and they traveled up to what is modern-day Turkey. We saw Saul's name change to Paul, um, his Gentile name, and we saw the way they came at sharing Jesus to the Gentiles. We saw that they kind of had a certain way they did it. They would start in the synagogue with the Jews and share how Jesus was the Messiah, and then to the people that were not Jewish. Like if they were rejected by the synagogue, they would turn and share to the people in the town <laughs> and, then, and then people would get saved. Or if people did accept it in the synagogue, some of them, those people helped share. And what better way to do mission work than you, know, if people that are, you're sharing to that are native to that land turn around and share the, to their neighbors. <laughs> that's the way I think God wants it in a lot of ways. Um, he does it in all sorts of ways though. But um, so, that's kind of where we left off in the spring, and that was super fast. I like timed it when I wrote it down. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like the fastest review I've ever done. But I hope you don't mind. I know you guys have it worked out in your, your packets too, so that it's more thorough there. But um, I just wanted to kind of give you a zoomed out like, oh yeah, that's what we, that's what we were talking about last year. Um, next week we'll start in chapter 14. So for this last half of my time with you, I wanted to spend a little time going over three big themes that I saw throughout Acts 1 through 13. I spent some time looking over all my day ones, you know, like plug the the day ones, (laughs) and the observation part of my last year's packets. Like I just went over, I poured over all my last year's packets and looked at the day ones because in there, there was like... Put, your re- put repeated words that you saw in the passage, put repeated ideas, and so I like looked over there to see what God's theme, you know, because it's not my theme, you know, I don't want to come up with a theme, <laughs> I'm not the one writing it, but you can see God's theme through that by how he highlights stuff over and over again by repeating it. I want to share what I found because I, I believe it sums up beautifully, only as God's word could, the main ideas that he wants us to see, so without further ado, I'll just share with you the three themes. And you're gonna be like, not mind blown, but it's gonna be, <laughs> uh, we'll work it out, it'll be fun. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, like who Jesus did and what he did and the Holy Spirit, and then um, oneness. Um, uh, and, and along with the oneness was the idea of like um, like growth. Right, so like unity, growth, oneness, it was all kind of together. I kept seeing it pop up together. (laughs) And so, we'll start with Jesus. Um, He's mentioned 68 times in Acts. He is the main character at the beginning of Acts and continues to be throughout, past the book. Like, he's still the main character in our lives, you know? He's what the apostles preached in the beginning in Jerusalem, what Philip and Peter shared in Samaria, and what Paul preached to the ends of the earth as he went on his missionary journeys. Um, And he's still the main character past the book of Acts, like I mentioned, with us. I sometimes say, you know, I don't follow a pastor or a church. Although I love my church and I love my pastor, I follow Jesus, right? This is what. This is what we're about, this is the main core thing of being a believer. Um, He should be the main character of our story, um, wherever we find ourselves. In Acts 22 through 24, it sums up what he's all about, right? What he came to do and what it was for. And this part is when Peter was sharing with the people that heard them speak in tongues the day of Pentecost and when they received the Holy Spirit, this is what he shared with them. He said, "'Men of Israel, listen to these words. "'Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God, "'with miracles and wonders and signs "'which God performed through him in your midst. "'Just as you you yourselves know, "'this man, Jesus, delivered over by the predetermined plan "'and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross "'by the hands of godless men and put him to death. "'But God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So in essence, this, what he said to them, is the gospel. You know, it's what they continually shared wherever they went throughout the ends of the earth. Another thing we learned about Jesus, like as I saw the theme of him throughout, um, is a focus on his name. I saw that a lot. This repeated theme, the name of Jesus. One example was in, and if you're you're welcome to open your Bibles and look with me in Acts 5:41 through 42. I'm going to be going through a couple more, so you're welcome to look them up with me. Right before I'm about to read in this part of Acts, the disciples had been told not to speak about Jesus anymore and they were flogged, right? So you're like, what are they gonna do next? (laughs) So this is what they do next. So they went, in verse 41, they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And I thought about that verse, like when I was looking at the name, you know, part of it. And I thought, are we worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name? Like, do we even know what that means? Like, I, it took me a minute. <laughs> Sorry, I keep breathing on you guys. <laughs> but, um, you know, if our family or our coworkers mock us for following Jesus, do we see that and have joy that we suffered for Jesus? You know, that's definitely not what we do in our flesh. I mean, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't want to, don't want to suffer. <laughs> but it is something that only happens as a result of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, you know. And, and also our perspective. It has to do with our perspective. So this idea of Jesus' name means that it represents who he is and his character, right? Throughout Acts, we see the disciples become bolder as they see people the people they love be put to death um, because of Jesus. And in, so they don't hide like they did after Jesus died. Because of the spirit, they're bolder in his name. Um, because they remember what Jesus did for them on the cross in his own death. Their perspective and their focus changed um, when they thought about who Jesus what is and what he is like, his character, in essence, his name, right? And so I thought, you know, what is our focus and perspective with Jesus? Like, do our lives speak of who he is? Does it speak of his name, you know? I did a study a while back on the, the, the uh, Lord's Prayer, and you know, it says, hallowed be your name. And I always got stuck on that. Like, I don't even tell you how many commentaries I read. Like, what does that mean? Like who uses the word hallowed? Like, I don't understand, <laughs> you know? And I came to understand that that means um, his name is the most important, right? And it also means, when you see a name, it means think of who he is, right? So that's how we start the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father in heaven, let me think about who you are. Like, and so, anyway, that, that I just thought was, We see that throughout Acts, you know, the focus on Jesus and his name. Um, Anyway, I just thought, do our lives speak of that? Um, One last thing I saw that was repeated when Jesus came up in Acts was his authority. Um, It was connected to the last idea of his name a lot of times. We see this Acts in Acts 4, 27 through 31. The religious leaders let Peter and John go from jail, and the disciples come together and pray, and this is a part of their prayer. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There was one, here is one example of how the disciples operated. They depended on the Holy Spirit and it gave them boldness. And through Jesus' name or by his authority, they were able to do things that they could never have done before, right? I mean, you think about it nowadays, like prophets or um, healers or whatever, and they do it, but they're doing it in their name, you know, <laughs> like, and, and that's not what it's about. They're, this is focusing on like, You focus on who Jesus is and then his authority, you do the things that he calls you to do, right? Which is gonna have you do things you've never been able to do without him before. (laughs) Um, It hasn't changed for us today. You know, when we're depending on the spirit and our lives are surrendered to him, he gives us boldness and the ability to do things that we could never do on our own. Um, Lately, my prayer life has kind of changed, right? I think it's because I have, there's been so much spiritual attack on my family. <laughs> on our, on, I, there has just, we have waded through this last year so much spiritual attack. I can't even describe to you, but I feel like every time I get up for a breath, <laughs> I'm beat down again, you know, by the enemy. I, I, and so I was like, my friend was talking to me, and she's like challenging me to pray differently. You know, because, like, I know there's a spiritual battle going on, but I don't know how to talk to God about it. Like, I know he teaches us to, and it's really embarrassing that I don't have it down by now. But, like, I was really struggling. Like, I don't even know how to talk to God about how I feel so attacked, how our family, my kids feel attacked by the enemy. And I know... I understand why, in some ways, like, you know, I'm doing ministry, the enemy doesn't like that, so it gets, it gets heated and <laughs> it gets harder and stuff, and I see that, that happening as well with, um, with the, the staff, too, you know, I just think we become a target in some ways, and I'm not saying I'm the only one that gets, spir- I know you all know what I'm talking about, that's why I'm sharing it, <laughs> so, like, you guys understand it, too, we all experience spiritual attack, but I was challenged to pray, like, that my prayers, not necessarily my my whatever I can come up with, are going to be the thing that changes anything. But it's the one that I'm asking <laughs> that He could actually do the work and help me. And so lately, I've just been like, you know, um, praying in His with His authority. You know, trusting in Jesus's authority, like to do the warfare for me. Like God, root out this hard heart spirit that's going on in my my home, rebellious spirit. God, root it out, like get it out. (laughs) Like if it's a spirit, Lord, get it out, please, in your name. I have never prayed like that. Like, I'm, my roots are Baptist, right? Like, this is not what I normally have done, but I have, like, changed, you know? You go through a certain amount of attack and you're like, Lord, help me know how to pray. I feel like he's been teaching me. And anyway, I just encourage you guys in that. Like, um, be you know, don't, don't think of it as trusting in your own strength when you ask God to do something big, you know, or to fight for you or to help you with what you are experiencing. Know that you're trusting in His name and His authority and he, He's so faithful. He, you know, He doesn't do it the way I always think He should, but He does, he does work and He does answer my prayers, so I encourage you in that. The second repeated theme, so I'll we'll move from here's Jesus, now we're gonna go Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, throughout the beginning of Acts, and they are, you know what, they're just kind of intertwined, really, because they're the same, they're God. <laughs> but, um, but definitely we saw the Holy Spirit being pointed out in the text, in the stories, and so I wanted to spend a little bit of time on what we saw there. Um, throughout the beginning, you know, with him filling the disciples um, and so forth, He you know, he fills the disciples and he gives them power. And he was, he was the reason and is the reason for church growth, like why the church grew in Acts. It was because of the work of the Spirit. Repeatedly we see statements throughout chapters 2 through 11, and it continues for the rest of Acts, statements that say the Lord added to their number, Right, and then you see the Holy Spirit in there too. (laughs) And I found these so interesting because it wasn't how good like the worship leader was or how nice the church building was or how enthusiastic the teacher or the pastor was when they taught, no, it was the Holy Spirit um, that added to their number, right? Um, And I think that's a true test of like legit church growth, right? (laughs) Is, Is the Holy Spirit working? I remember when Ben and I first got married, um, we got married at a little red church where our church used to meet long a time ago. And um, at the time they were too big for that church so we were meeting in a school building, right? And, and it was hard, like you come early and set up and then you'd stay late and you'd tear down and you did it every week. <laughs> and I think they had Wednesday nights too. And it was like a lot of work. But that wasn't why I came. It wasn't because I liked the school building. It was like really ugly. <laughs> or like the sound sounded amazing for worship. No, it was an auditorium at a school. <laughs> like it wasn't amazing. But we came because we could see the Spirit of God was here in our body, you know, at the church. And, uh, you know, and I think that's, that is how God grows churches. It, you know, um, It worked because the Spirit was there. Um, And I think that he's always gonna be the one that begins growth. Um, Another thing we saw with the theme of the Holy Spirit was how he would fill people and give them boldness. Um, You know, I I think it's encouraging to know that we don't have to come up with boldness or or anything like that on our own. It's something that is produced by the Holy Spirit in us. You know, So much so, like when we see it in the disciples in Acts, that they were willing to die for their faith, you know. They were, you know, the Holy Spirit empowered his followers to do and say things that they never could have done before. It was powerful. Um, Also, we saw the Holy Spirit um, would choose and lead people um, to do his work and I that was really interesting as well. Um, we saw this in, chapters, in chapter 13, two through three. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Much like we see you know, missionaries sent off in church today, um, the Holy Spirit hasn't changed and still chooses people and leads people to go. Um, we could all think in our own lives of how God has led us. You know, it may not be to the mission field, but in general, like how he leads us. Maybe, um, you know, whether it's like leading us to move or leading us to the church we go to or leading us to find the person we're supposed to marry or whether or not to have more kids. Like, he leads us all the time through his spirit. Um, And sometimes I think, you know, we... We think we know what God's leading us to do, and then it changes. I don't know if you guys ever have that. (laughs) Um, It happens a lot, I think, you know, Um, but he has a purpose in the process, right? Like in college, I um, thought for sure I was gonna be a missionary. I thought the Lord had called me. I even, that's one thing that attracted me to my husband. He was on his way to be a missionary too. Like he had come back from Kazakhstan for a couple years, and he was planning on, like, that was his future. And so I was like, well, look at that, Lord. Like, you just made it right. Like, <laughs> we're supposed to be together. And, like, I know that he made it clear that we should be together. But when, after we got married, um, you know, the Lord did not lead us to go on the mission field. And I remember specifically a time as a young mom where I was like, I don't think that I'm going to be a missionary someday. And it was really, like, kind of rocked my world, you know, because I thought... For sure, that's what the Lord was leading me. Um, and I, am, I hope I can put this in the right words, but I look back on my life, like I didn't understand it then, and maybe that's where you all are at, some of you, you know, where you're like, I think the Lord called me this, but I don't see him doing it like, like I thought he would. And I, but I look back on my life now, and I see, like, he called me, you know, to do something. You know, <laughs> he called me to... Um, I don't, I, have, I don't have the right words to say it, I didn't write it down either, but he called me to do something different and out of my comfort zone, you know, which I look back and I see he called us to adopt, you know, and he called us to minister to kids that were local orphans, right, in the foster system. And so I look back and I think, I think he used me trying to prepare myself to be a missionary but I look at it and I see he was just preparing me to just do whatever he wanted me to do <laughs> and say yes to whatever he wanted me to say yes to. So anyway, I just encourage you, like, I think sometimes we have an expectation of how it's going to look when God calls us to do certain things. But sometimes he doesn't have it the way we think it's going to look, but he does something in the process to get us to where he wants us to be. So anyway, um, and so finally, I want to touch on the last repeated theme I saw in there, which was oneness or unity. Um, repeatedly in Acts, we see God adding to the churches' numbers in the sense of unity or God bringing them together as one. We saw it during the time of persecution, you know, different, definitely in the times of persecution in Acts, we saw it. As I mentioned in Acts 4, if we read off where we had left off when I read Acts 4 and 31 and 32, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Here's an example of the disciples growing in oneness despite hard times and persecution and we see them still growing in numbers and oneness in times of peace. In chapter nine, verse 31, we saw that. It says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. This idea of oneness and unity being connected with growth despite hard times or times of peace is such a picture of how God works with us. we can gain so many principles by what we read in the book of Acts about how church can be, but I don't believe that the book of Acts is like a manual, per se. Um, we can see how God worked in the early church's lives and and reflect on how he's working with us. Um, it doesn't look identical, nor should it, right? Um, I heard a, um, a commentary say that the book of Acts is not prescriptive, you know, which is to say that we shouldn't look at it and say, well, because he did it this way just so in the book of Acts, he's gonna do it this way just so in our church. You know what I mean? And, um, but I think what the, the goal of, and because it's a story and because God rarely does things the same, <laughs> like normally, <laughs> and he wants us to pull the principles out of Acts in the, in the narrative and see like, how that applies to our own life. Um, So it won't look identical, um, because he doesn't work the same, but we can see through the repeated themes how God works in general, you know, with his people, his church. Um, Yeah, so he desires us, so we can think about that when we look at Acts, he desires us to be bold like the disciples, and he gives us the gospel to spread with the the power of his Holy Spirit. And he does the growing of the church and the bringing about of unity in our church. So we see... Through the themes, that's kind of how he works in our lives as well. Um, We play our part as well, you know, just like the disciples did in Acts. We can be yielded like the disciples to the moving of the Holy Spirit, or we can get distracted with things that shouldn't really matter, you know. And I just think it's so easy to do. (laughs) I encourage you all to be surrendered to God. You know, depend on him to lead you in hard times and in times of peace. You know, the fruit of his yielding to him, of yielding to him is growth and unity. Um, And I see him working that out in us, ladies. I see him working it out in us, you know. Um, I saw, like I mentioned with the retreat, you know, we talked so much about unity and then we did the summer study and how do you forgive? How do you not be offended? But then I'm like, man, Lord, now you're taking us back into Acts, right? Which is a picture of what unity looks like in the church like what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and so um, just as God led in Acts, he's going to lead us. Um, and so let's, let's just let's pray. That's all I have. <laughs> God, I just thank you for um, your word. I thank you that we can look back and remember the things that we taught, that you taught us, Lord, um, through your spirit. And I just pray, God, that you would just... Um, remind us of the things that you want us to hold on to as we go forward in this book. Um, I pray that as we get to know each other in our small groups, God, I know some women are nervous. Even I feel nervous sometimes. (laughs) I just pray that you would calm our hearts, God, as we get to know new ladies and that you would bring about fruitful connections, God, um, and true discipleship here in this place. And I just thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.